EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash insideems. Well, welcome to the show. It's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Subalero, and the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, is our good friend Kelly Grayson. KG, what's going on? Oh man, I'm I'm living through it. Uh, it's just been a rough, rough couple of, couple of weeks, man. You are the busiest EMS person in the world, I think. No, no, you. I, from what I hear, you're you're the jet setting uh, EMS traveler here lately. But uh, yeah, I have been uh, burning the candle at both ends. Uh, it's refresher season, and and um, man, it's just the number of people who put off until the very end. Uh, their biannual requirements just never ceases to amaze me. So. Yeah, we are coming to the end of the year, man. And yeah. I got to tell you, I've got all my stuff. But I still haven't gotten online to put it in, so I guess I'm just as guilty. Shame on you. Shame on you, supervisor and EMS leader, Sevalero. But at least I got all my stuff. I'm not begging for any card classes, or I don't have to uh, do any uh, continuing education. I just got to get my butt online and put all that stuff in. God, they've made that easier, though, over the years, right? Remember back in the old days, we used to have to fill out the paper? and Yeah, yeah. And it's, there's less of it to do now. But I'm gonna, I'll make you a challenge, man, um, or I'll extend Bill Toon's challenge to both of us. Um, after you get it done this year, next time, you and I go sit and take the National Registry exam again. Yeah, I was ready to do that this year. You're the one that pulled out of that, but I'm oh, happy no, no, to no, do that. No, no, that. no, no, no. It wasn't, wasn't me that backed out. <laughs> I don't know. I think we've got a. I think we got an email trail. I think we got a Facebook trail. We can look up and find that uh, right. Kelly Grayson was the. Yeah, but I'll do it. And who wants to do yeah. it with us? So next May, next March, you're gonna have to keep this thing in your calendar, Kelly, and you're okay. gonna have to bring this up. That we'll take okay. a whole group with us, and we'll uh, get down there and take the exam, and uh, you know, do it wherever we need to do it. Maybe we could do it we'll at just a bum, bum rush a Pearson View testing center somewhere. That's right, and we'll see how that works out. Yeah, and then we'll have to talk about our results <laughs> on the show. <laughs> By then, we'll be getting ready for 250 shows. I mean, this we yeah. we, we haven't been talking about it, but when we come to uh, April, the first week in April, that'll be our hundred uh, or 200th show. Four years. Wow, that's man, that's pretty good. I know, man. That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. good. I think the uh, record is held by Jamie Davis, though, in EMS. He must have uh, 500 or so shows that he's doing over there at the ProMed Network. But uh, yeah. but we've got uh, quite a few, man, and we've got to we'll start to think. Yeah, we've got to start to think about uh, what we're going to do in the coming year. But uh, I think it's pretty amazing. It's been fun. Uh, you know, you and I have spent a lot of time talking about a lot of things, and we've got something else to chat yeah. about today. So. You know, we do get calls and we do get emails and we do get letters from the listeners. And we so appreciate that. You know, Kelly, you and I have said for a long time that, you know, we don't do this show for us. We do it for the people who are out there and 
you know, hopefully we bring a little ed- education. Hopefully we bring a little entertainment. Hopefully you don't bore them like you bore me. And But actually, I got a, a message from a guy in Texas, and there was a little bit of a problem. And I waited a long time to talk about this, so there was no chance of uh, it ever coming back. But I got a message from a guy who, uh, and I wound up talking to him because he was really upset. And I could tell from his message that he was really upset that his organization uh, broke their own policies and sent him on a long-distance transfer that was eight hours long with uh, three hours left to go in his shift. And, uh, you know, he got back from the long-distance transfer. He wanted to go in and, you know, pick a bone with his supervisors and pick a bone with his managers. And he asked me the best way to do that. And I said, well, the best way to do that now is just to go home and, and do it when you're not so tired and so upset. But I thought one of the things that we can do is is kind of chat about the best way to communicate with our you know, with our leaders, because sometimes there is a double standard and sometimes they don't do the right things. And sometimes we need to be able to say, you know, that we're not happy with the process, but certainly we get more, um, you know, we get more flies with honey than we do with vinegar. So we've got to be able to understand the best way to communicate our challenge, to communicate our feelings and do it in a way that doesn't make us sound like we're uh, attacking anybody, just like we would, uh, we would hope that someone would do mm-hmm. it for us as well. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that um, from my experience as a supervisor and my experience with my supervisors and management, um, uh, your superiors want to know if there are problems. Uh, what they don't want to hear is yet another litany of complaints and whining and whinging uh, with no um, solution suggested. So the step number one is when you have a problem with something, uh, that's going on at your, at your agency, you, you make your supervisors aware of that problem, but you do so calmly when you're no longer angry about it and you have a solution in mind. Um, and, and, and that's probably the most productive way to go about it is, is, you know, Hey, um, we have a policy that, that you don't send us on out of town transfers, uh, uh, you know, within X hours of shift change or whatever their policy was, and it wasn't followed on this day, um, and there were these units available to take it, or why didn't the dispatcher, um, why didn't the dispatcher question the, you know, the uh, uh, acuity of the transfer and see if it could hold it for a couple of hours or, or, or that sort of thing. Um, they want to know, you know, they want options, but uh, what they don't want is is you adding to their burden uh, with a bunch of complaints that really have no no possible way to be resolved. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we got to dive into that a little bit because I think that's I would really want to know what you mean by that because I think that you know, again, me taking the leadership side of this uh, of this partnership by saying the worst thing that I would ever feel as a leader is if someone came to me and said, I really hate working in this place. To me, if somebody Mm -hmm. says that, then you're a failure as a leader. Because my job and the way that I measured in my success isn't the fact that I can book a conference room or do a line item budget or, you know, make a schedule. My leadership success is determined by employee satisfaction, by employee engagement, by employee productivity, and how they treat their patients. So if we are creating an environment where employees don't want to be, you know, be in our organization or they're saying that, it, you know, it sucks to work here, mm-hmm. we've, we've failed as leaders. And it doesn't make a difference 
um, what those situations are. So, but just a couple things that I want to touch on. One of the things that you said was, and I hear this all the time, is don't come to me with a problem, come to me with a solution. And I don't know that really that approach works very well because I don't know that I can implement your solution. So when you come and say, here's a problem, here's a solution, that doesn't mean that I can use your solution if it goes against the, the current policies that we have. And we've but kind of been here. it's better than no solution whatsoever. No, I mean, I think you're right. But the, now, how does it feel, though, Kelly, if you've waited to come to me and, uh, you know, it's been a couple weeks because you had this problem and now you thought about the solution and I don't pay never mind to your solution. It, it kind of makes that situation a little worse. And I don't know how I feel about that. I've heard a lot of employees come and say, well, I've got a problem and I've got a solution. Um, so I, I just think it just kind of brings that to the highlight. But when we think about the challenges that go on in organizations, a lot of times this is, uh, it falls to, in my experience, miscommunication and yeah. you know, the, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And one supervisor is saying one thing, one supervisor is doing one thing, one supervisor is following one thing, and then the next is doing something different. Secondarily, accountability is a big issue as well. There's no accountability within the organization or you're holding this person accountable, but you're not holding that person accountable. And I think, again, that goes to accountability. Um, But I think that those are the crux of the issues that if somebody's getting a transfer or someone is being talked to because they didn't or someone's not being talked to because they left trash in their vehicle at the end of their shift or someone is, uh, you know, whatever it is. I think we have to be able to address that. But as an EMS employee, we've got to be able to understand the best ways to communicate those things to make that stuff known. Because what we don't want is to be known as a problem child. We don't want to be known as a whiner. We don't want to be... Because you know that's what supervisors are saying about people. How many times, and I'm I'm getting to be rambling here like you, but how many times Uh have you... How many times have you seen a supervisor when that same person calls on the cell phone, look at the cell phone and then show it to somebody else? Oh, my God, they're calling again. And we just not need to be able to find a way that we can communicate what the challenges are and do it in a respectful way. When you said earlier, as a, as a leader, you hate to have an employee come in and say, I hate working here. Um, well, that's yeah, that that's a, a sentiment shared by any effective leader at any organization the problem is is uh we suffer from a a dearth of leadership in in this profession Uh, and quite frankly the places where the employees hate to work there um have that failure of leadership uh, they can go in and say that and it's not going to bother the person that they're saying it to it's not going to bother them because they have the attitude if you don't like it go somewhere else we'll hire somebody to replace you you are disposable um, and and sadly that's the case in many many EMS agencies uh, they don't much care uh, I don't look at those people as leaders uh, they're bean counters and managers managers and their 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 leadership style is the beatings will continue as until morale improves um and and a, a engaged leader um who is who is receptive to his employees concerns and stuff is is um uh, not nearly as common as it should be but when you go to when you go to your manager and you say uh, with, with these with these uh, problems and complaints and proposed solutions um 
so you're not the don't develop the reputation as the as the serial whiner. Um, you got to figure out which hill you want to die on. You know, there's some things about your agency you ain't going to change. And if that's a deal breaker for you, then you find another place to work. Um, there are things about Acadian Ambulance I don't like. Um, but they're not worth me leaving over because overall I like where I work. I like the work I do. I like the people I work with for the most part. Um, some of their employee, uh, some of their policies I'm never going to agree with. Um, but those, those disagreements are not deal breakers for me. Um, and as long as they're signing my paychecks and issuing them, issuing them every two weeks, well, then I'm going to, to uh, uh, abide by their policies and procedures, whether I like them or think they make sense or not. I think that's the compact we sign. Uh, you know, that, that's the, the choice we make when we, we sign on the dotted line at an agency. Um, but, you know, depends on how high up the chain you go. But it's, it's ex- entirely possible that the supervisor is totally unaware that there is a problem. When you're senior management at a place, you're looking at things on a macro scale. You're looking at, at the, uh, the efficiency of, of the organization um, and, and the bottom line and your run volume and this and that. And, and you're looking at performance metrics. Um, but you may not get a, a really close-up view of the interpersonal relations and conflicts and, and the nuts and bolts uh, of how that agency is running anymore. You rely on your your uh, subordinates to, to keep you abreast of those things, but sometimes the communication breaks down. Um, and if you're going to go up the chain, um, you need to respectfully make that case uh, and make them aware of those things without making it sound like a personal conflict. Uh, um, one thing that I like that, that uh, my employer does is we have – um, quarterly, uh, each one of our districts, we have a, a thing called the President's Breakfast, uh, and they'll invite uh, select employees from each region to go meet with one of the senior vice presidents of the company, and y'all have breakfast together, and you talk about the uh, how the company's doing and, and, and what your concerns and comments and suggestions are and so on and so forth, and it's just supposed to be an open forum. Um, my first one... <laughs> Uh, our, one of our senior VPs said, okay, said, uh, let's, you know, all, all you guys, you know, go over to the sidebar, get yourself some breakfast. You can eat while we talk. Uh, let's get the meeting started. Um, but, uh, one thing I don't want to hear is a bunch of complaining about dispatch. And I just quietly put my fork on my plate and, uh, took my plate over to the sidebar and said, good afternoon or good morning, folks. Y'all have a nice day. He said, you know, where are you going? And I said, well, if you're going to start the meeting uh, by telling us the biggest problem that any of us have here is off the table for discussion, there's no point in me being here. And he said, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. What I meant was is I don't want to hear everybody complains about dispatch, but no one ever has any solutions or any specific grievances. And I said, well, I can give you those. Um, so he said, okay, fine, sit back down. Let's, you know, let's talk productively about it. And he spent the next two hours with his assistant writing things down and saying, really, really, oh, wow, really? And this is going on and 20 people just unloaded on him with specific grievances and specific points that, that dispatch, uh, policies were not being followed or that they were being selectively applied and that sort of thing. Um, and, and after he left and the meeting was over, things got better. Well, they got, you know, eventually got worse again, but they got better for several months. 
but he he really I believe that he didn't know what was going on. Part of that is is you know every EMT is going to complain about his dispatcher for the most part. I think that uh, that part of that is is that we don't understand each other's roles, and the other part is is that quite often in many EMS agencies there. The, those two uh, components of the agency are kind of set up in adversarial roles. I don't think that has to be that way, but that's the way it usually winds up working out. <laughs> to them, you, you have to be objective, uh, and you have to uh, to not make it personal. And if the, the long-distance transfer is the hill you want to die on, then that's the one you complain about, and you swallow your pride about the rest of them until you can get that one issue resolved. You know, I think you bring up a lot of good points there. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is that there were so many things that were good about what you just said, but there were so many things that I think were wrong about what you said as well. I mean, for, for the boss to come right out and say, okay, let's go ahead and have this meeting, but let's, I don't want to hear everybody talking about dispatch. You can't tell me that he doesn't know that dispatch is a problem or that people in the organization don't feel that dispatch is a problem. Because if he's starting off by saying, I don't want to be bombarded with dispatch questions, he knows that there's a challenge between the field and dispatch. Well, if he knows that there's a challenge between the field and dispatch, why is he letting that problem precipitate? Why is he not addressing that problem sooner? Why is it that, uh, you know, this is happening this way? So I think that there were a lot of things that kind of piqued my interest in what you said. The next thing is, if he doesn't know that challenges are going on in dispatch, that means that communication isn't flowing uphill. Because I guarantee you that the people who are in your organization, Kelly, they're, they're having challenges with dispatch. They're talking to their supervisors. They're letting them know what those problems are. But because those problems aren't getting to the next level, it's more of a challenge when, you know, uh, you know, you have to go to this breakfast every so often and say, we've got a problem with dispatch. And the boss is saying, yeah, uh-huh, I see. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. So that, this is what I'm talking about when we say that there's a breakdown in this communication and that we've got to be able to kind of list the ways and understand, you know, what is happening and why those things are happening. So one of the things that I, you know, shared with this gentleman down in Texas was before you even go and talk to your supervisor about an issue, you need to understand thoroughly what the, what the policies say about this situation. So you don't go in and say, what do the policies say? I don't know. You need to go in and say, now, if we look at the policy on long distance transfers and we go to page so-and-so, it lets us know that we're not supposed to take a long distance transfer if we're in X amount of time before our end of shift. So now right off the top, they know that you know the policies. They know that you want those policies to be followed. And now you're saying that the, I, I thought that this was the way things were supposed to be. Can someone please help me understand why they weren't this way? So as we now start to think about coming across and doing it the right way, you know, you've got to be able to, to know what the rules are in the organization. You've got to be able to know where those rules are for you to get your hands on. But that's one of the biggest problems is that, you know, uh, the, the people in the field aren't familiar with the policies. The supervisors aren't familiar with the policies. You know, one of the things that I used to do with my supervisors on a regular basis was I used to give them an exam 
on the policy manual. So they had to test on the policy manual to know exactly what the policies were. And this is their playbook. I mean, we think about a coach on a football team, you know, they've got the playbook that they're calling. Well, their policy manual is the playbook, and they've got to be able to hold people accountable to those plays. But one of the things that I would do before that is when those policy, when that policy manual was written, I had employees that came to the table and sat down and helped create those policies. Now, this is your policy manual. What do you want to see? What do you don't want to see? What can we fix? What can we polish? What do we need to take out? And then when that book is closed and that work was done, everybody was on the same page of what those policies were. But now you're going to be held accountable to those policies because you helped create them. And they are now in the playbook and ready to be used. But how does the coach, how does the supervisors know what to hold people accountable to if they don't know what the policies are? Secondarily, if you as the employee are not familiar with the policy manual in your organization, you know, I think that this doesn't give you the best option of being successful either. So I think that there's a two-way sword. I think there's a problem with communication. We've got to fix communication from the field to supervisor, supervisor to operation manager, operation manager to senior leadership, but I think that that information needs to flow down as well. There are a lot of times when we would have uh, information that came from our leaders that weren't coming to us down in the field. So when we think about leadership, there's just so many challenges that go on with it. There's just so many things that are disconnected. But the bottom line is, Kelly, and I, I say this all the time, and I believe it, that leadership is a science. And it's just like biology, and it's just like chemistry. You've got to be able to work the science to get the effects that you want. And if you're not following those things, then you're not going to be able to you know, run a successful organization. You know, it's just what I believe. And I think that, uh, you know, I've been successful at it. But I think that when we think about you guys that are in the field and how you're going about your business, you've got to be able to be as professional as you can be. You've got to be able to talk about the challenges that you have in the organization. And you got to be able to do it in a respectful manner. Even if the people who you're talking to may not that you may think that they don't respect you. You don't allow anybody else's behavior to influence who you are as a professional. You don't sell yourself out for who you are as a professional just because you have poor leadership. But hey, that's what I think. That's what Chris thinks. We'd like to hear what you think. Let us know at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.